I've tried to secure all my cables. I've told them they're pretty. I've told them nobody talks about them behind their back. I forgot my water. You, you start the podcast. You talk amongst yourself, Conrad. Yeah. Don't let her change the subject of this podcast by talking about. I'm gonna. If I go get my water and come back, y'all are gonna be talking about video games, aren't you? I mean, it's not impossible. Oh. Like I wouldn't rule that out. I'll do my best to not talk about video games. We could talk about dehydration. Oh, dehydration. Are you dehydrated? How are your hands, Laura? My hands are doing just fine. Yeah. You know what? Funnily enough, after I washed my hands last week, my hands were actually very, very nice and smooth and felt very pleasant. There was something about pulling all the moisture out of my hands that when I put moisture back into them, they were like, ah, a fountain, a bounty of of delights we have here. What wonderful hands we've become. Now, did you moisturize after washing your hands of the gamer goo? No, no, I just washed the goo off on my hands. Just washed the goo off. We're actually quite lovely afterwards. Gradually quite lovely. Yeah, well, they needed needed a few minutes to settle, but uh-huh. they were they were quite lovely after that. Laura, you shouldn't have covered your hands in bull cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bull cream. <laughs> Look, I, I said it last week and I'll say it again. I'm 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 usually the one who's here like, oh, let's keep to a schedule, let's be sensible. It's been a while since I've been allowed a bit of chaos, just a tiny little chaos for a treat. But this is what you chose. That's it's not so much I don't take issue with your desire to be an agent of chaos. Everybody enjoys that. It's a lot of fun. Roll the dice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing. Even when I'm being an agent of chaos, I need it to be in some way productive, and therefore I needed to... I was like, well, here, I can I can talk about a, a thing that has turned up at my home. That's content, that's productivity. The thing is, so, so does Zinch the changer of ways, but he's not rubbing ball cream on his hands. And was it really? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I imagine it produced flaky skin. That's a sort of productivity. I guess. <laughs> Hey, hey, you, you didn't feel these hands afterwards. My hands yeah. were actually quite lovely once I reintroduced liquid to them. So you think, but you have not yet encountered the underskin that's developed. You graze your knee one day and you see the, the scales underneath. Honestly, I'm, I'm very up for it turning out I now have scales. And, you know, that, that sounds like I'm developing X-Men powers. That's great. That's a wonderful time. I'm just saying, you're going to end up like the... Dragon from Willow. Sure. Yeah, why not? Why not Why not bring up the dragon from Willow when you can't think of anything quick enough? Hey, you're back now, which means that the self-imposed don't talk about video games moratorium I, has, has ended now. I never said it could start when I come back. I never said this podcast was about video games. Who said that? I mean, I could have talked about video games while you were gone, but I was like, no, no, I'll be nice, I'll be good, because then when you come back, I can demand you talk about a video game first. You gotta be nice to me anyway. Do I? Why, why have I gotta be nice to you? Because I've been appellating. <gasps> Ooh. It's not fun. No, it's not. It's not fun. No. I used to epilate my face, that wasn't fun. I haven't tried that yet. The face is a particularly rough place to epilate. Yeah, 
Yeah. Ovulation in general. Not fun. It gets better the more often you do it because your legs just get fucking numb to it. So I've heard. So I've heard. Your body numbs to the unique yeah. sensation. <laughs> well, in any case, I've got my beach bod. Doing beach day next week. Ooh. Yeah, fancy pants beach day. I got Pittsburgh this weekend. Sun ticket's still available. Enjoy wrestling. Look them up on Twitter. Doing a taping uh, for their show. So that'll be fun. And then June 19th, I'm in Pittsburgh again for Rise. And check my Twitter that people unfollow in droves when I talk about wrestling for my (laughs) wrestling details. And then, well, in between those is Beach Day. And I have bought some crops. (gasps) Quite nice. I got white, red and denim type. I... I'm excited because I've had my first vaccine. I'm waiting for that second one. You've had your experimental super soldier serum. I've had my first dose of super soldier serum. And when I have the second one, I've already planned I'm going to go swimming. And I'm very excited for like, I'm like, first day that there is sunny, hot weather. There is a nice outdoor pool not too far from me. And I'm like, just going to go for a swim in the sun and I'm ready for it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go up to that pool and I'm going to, I'm going to pay them to drain it. And then I'm going to fill it up with Gamer Goo. And then I'm just going to roll around in it and then get some in my mouth and spit it out like like Scrooge McDuck with the money in the money bin. Is that the rest of your sentence, Laura? <laughs> yes, you got the end of my sentence. You <laughs> You got where I was going. Well done. Oh, Good job, you. <laughs> fill up a bathtub. Genuinely fill up a bathtub with Game of Goo, right? And and have a bath in it and see if you come out looking like the mummy from the mummy before the mummy eats enough people to not look like the mummy anymore. Or, you know, not that. Oh, God. And then turn into a sand monster and start taking eyes and tongues. And then there's a man covered in locusts and he goes, oh, what have we done? So who's ready to talk about video games? We've got some of them here. Oh, I suppose we can if you want. Yeah, right. You know, I, I could go off on wild tangents, but apparently what you want from me is sensibleness. So who's played a video game this week? It's oh, Polquisition. Right. We tell you whether they're great or perfect. Comrade. I mean, I've only played one video game this week. Oh, okay. It's Psychonauts. <gasps> and it's great. It's still probably my favorite third-person platformer ever made. It still makes me laugh it it's inventive it's visually interesting um the remaster i'm playing the remaster of it on xbox game pass and it's great it just makes me happy i've been really tempted to go back to it because obviously psychonauts 2 is happening this year and yeah. i want to replay it before then anyway and i got thinking about it because there's a really good half hour video that went up on global accessibility awareness day where it's like hey the game's not going to be out till like later this year but here's a bunch of accessibility stuff we've got in the game and going through all that was like oh that's really positive yeah that's reminded me i need to go back and replay psychonauts yep I mean, I don't have anything to say. If you if you haven't played this and you like a third-person platformer, you have done yourself an incredible disservice. It's weird and surreal in the best kind of ways and very amusingly written. And it has a nice compactness to its world design for the most part. Yeah. There's a, a couple of areas that might... You might think stretch on a bit long, and I wouldn't necessarily argue that. Like, the main hub area that you explore is really smartly designed to encourage revisiting areas and finding new shit, and it never feels too big or inconvenient to get around. Mm. It's just 
just a really, really good game. Yeah. I'm excited for that sequel to happen, and it's looking pretty good. Yep. Laura, you played something, though. Yeah, yeah, I played something that I have opinions about. I played Biomutant this week. I also have played this game. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't have a good time. It's not great. I had a painful time playing it. Yeah. It was unenjoyable. It's mess. Like, I won't, I won't call it a mess. But it's messy. Yeah, so here's the thing. You might have seen this game years ago when it was first going to be released. It's been delayed for years and years at this point. Yeah, it looked great. Yeah, and I think visually it still does. It's one of the, the things it has going for it is it does still look like a very nice looking game. You play as a little animal humanoid person that goes around doing melee and gun-based weapon attacks. You cannot get it to look like anything that isn't a detestable goof. I hate my character. <laughs> it creeps me out. Here's the thing. I think the default character for one of the... I think it's the bottom option on the main menu looks okay, and anything else looks like an Eldritch Abomination. Yeah, I've got, like, just this... Stoat, I guess. It's a stoat <laughs> with a little tiny pinhole dead eyes and just this this overbite that comes out and looks like, like it's going to come out the screen and bite my face off. I hate it. I'll say this. I spent like 20 minutes with that character creator. The default character that looks like the one on the box art is the only good character yes. design it is possible to make with this. Anything that is not the box art character looks terrifying. And it's it's all based on like, the appearance and stats are linked. Yeah. So to even get the character I wanted, I had to have it look like just something I don't want near me, ever. Yeah, your options are do you want the aesthetic you want or do you want the stats you want? You cannot have both. Yeah, unless, of course, you're lucky in that the stats and the look do align, but I don't think they will, folks. Yeah. That is luck rather than you having oh, done anything right in character creation. Yeah. And you know what? That's fine. If they want a menagerie of freaks for the playable characters, that's fine. I'm all for menageries of freaks, but it's not a great game <sighs> on top of yeah. that. That's just the, the first impression I got that was like, oh, that's kind of hideous. I thought the game would let me make my own little cute creature. So this game is, in theory, a semi-open world adventure game. I say open world, it railroads you very hard for lengthy periods of time at the start, to the point that it might as well not be open world for the first, like, five hours. I want to talk about the thing that frustrates me most about this game more than anything else is the fucking narration. Oh, yeah. The narration is not good. So... The game has a narrator in that sort of Stanley Parable-esque, we're going to describe what you're doing as you do it kind of way. Basically, every time I hear that voice, that, that style of narration, I think to myself, why isn't Richard Bryars doing this? Is he still alive? I don't know. I'll Google it. And I never Google whether he's still alive. Yeah. So, like, the first of many problems I have with this narration is that it constantly tries to sound... Like it's very intelligently written and like it's saying something very profound when it's not. When it's just waffling for the sake of waffling. Like the game starts with you walking up to a crossroads and it's like, oh, a crossroads with two directions. That's like life, isn't it? You either pick a direction or you die. At times it feels to me like instead of Peter Molyneux making a game, mm. it feels like Peter Molyneux is a game. <laughs> 
the amount of times the narrator reminds you that choices matter and you're important in this world and will have a big effect on it. I keep expecting it to turn around and say, also, uh, it is uh, totally not on rails and it's not railroading you and we've got these game journalists who agree. Well, I want to point out that first choice where it makes a big deal of what you choose, whether you choose to go left or right. You know, if you go left, the narrator will be like, oh, you picked left, that's interesting. Sometimes left is right. Oh, Yeah. On the other side, it said right is always right. And I thought, hmm. Yes. Mixed messages. But here's the thing. Both of them lead to the exact same place. They literally divert in semicircle curves and meet back in the same place. It didn't fucking matter which you picked. Because they uploaded Peter Molyneux's consciousness (laughs) to the Matrix and this is what came out. Uh, The uh, narrator for Biomutant. So let's get into the second reason the narrator annoys me, which is whenever you get into conversations with NPCs. So... Every time you have a conversation with an NPC, the character will first, like, make Banjo-Kazooie-esque gibberish sounds. No text on screen, even if you've got subtitles turned on, just... If only they were that not annoying. Yeah, and then they stop, and then the narrator starts talking and will, I would say, paraphrase what was said, but paraphrase suggests conciseness. They will... In usually in third person, but occasionally they slip out of third person, tell you what that gibberish that you just heard a second ago yeah. was saying. And it means that every time that narrative shows up and every conversation kills the pacing of this game, because every conversation is at least twice as long as it needs to be. Yeah, I'm already like pressing X, reading quick and pressing X again to just get through it, because I'm like, I don't need to hear... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Says that you are, and that's weird as well. Yeah. Starting the sentence as if, like, the name of the character's already been said because the narrator sentence starts with, thinks you should go here. Yeah. Says that you have a nice ass. Yeah. The thing that tipped me over the line into really hating this narrator, there's a great example of this a couple of hours in. The first time that you get a choice of, like, Ah, which of these two factions do you want to go and befriend? And Mm -hmm. if you go and befriend the the centrist faction that's basically like, we want unity by force, I'm going to read you a sentence. And just to give everyone a sense of how frequently this is repeated and how annoying it is, I'm just going to intersperse it a few times throughout the rest of our Biomutant talk, because it kept coming up, identically phrased, and it broke me. The Myriad tribe act on an understanding of the greater good and a code of honour. They believe uniting the tribes is the only way to restore peace. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. But it it gets repeated like six times in one bloody conversation. Just the myriad tribe act on an understanding of the greater good and a code of honor. They believe in uniting the tribes is the only way to restore peace. Just word for word again, like two sentences later. Here's the thing, right? Mm. Have you considered? Yes. This may tip it into Game of the Year territory. Have you considered that when you find a fast travel point, Mm -hmm. your character pisses against it? And it's (laughs) hilarious question mark every time question mark. The same animation 
followed by the narrator saying the same thing every time and it forcing you onto the map every time as if you want to fast travel there and then immediately. I mean, I have considered that, but every time I consider it, I remember that the Myriad tribe act on an understanding of the greater good and a code of honour. They believe uniting the tribes is the only way to restore peace. Uh, are there any other ways? Sorry, sorry, I didn't quite get that. Are there any other ways to restore peace? Well, well, see, here's the thing. No. I, I've not been making this annoying enough because what I need to do is go... The Myriad tribe act on an understanding of the greater good and a code of honour. They believe uniting the tribes is the only way to restore peace. I <gasps> oh, so there's no other ways to restore peace, alright. No, it's the only way to restore peace is by, you know, using their code of honour okay. and their understanding of the greater good. Uh, sorry, who's using the code of honour? Oh, the Myriad tribe. The Myriad they believe tribe. in uniting the tribes via an understanding right. of the greater good and a code of honour. Okay, can you clarify again? Sorry, I'm I'm just, I'm having trouble following it. Yeah, no, 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 I, I know that I've not been terribly clear. Yeah, I'm just trying to work out, um, just for my records, is the good greater, did you say, or lesser? No, the greater good. Greater good. And there's a code of honour that's also involved in the oh. Marian tribe trying to unite the tribes as a way to restore peace. Well, I imagine it's the only way. It's the only way. Uniting the tribes to restore peace is the only way. <laughs> According to the Myriad tribe. <laughs> yes. So, like, that's the fucking conversation that broke me. It's yeah. by the fourth or fifth time that I had to listen to... And then this fucking sentence came up again. Slowly said in the same monotone voice, I was like... I don't want to be in this conversation. I am having a bad time. Yeah. This is a particularly egregious example, perhaps, but it is emblematic of... I hated every time narrative came up in this, yeah. which is a shame because there was interesting lore and world building hidden behind just painful presentation. And it goes back to what I said about, like, it wasn't the same phrase repeated, but the constant reminders of the narrator that yeah. you can have choices in the game, where I'm like, you're just, it feels like you're trying to convince me that what's going on is important which considering the left and the right path go the same way you didn't start off on the right foot you also yes. didn't start off on the right foot by having me choose and basically guess what class or character i had and how useful it would be and how it would play uh, you kind of had me guess all that and then immediately uh, gave me the impression that i'd made entirely the wrong choice because it seems to me that the game is giving you lots of options for shooting and magic and all of that, but just wants to be the Arkham games, <sighs> only really nowhere near as good. Yeah. So here's the biggest thing. I could maybe overlook a lot of the issues with this game if it was fun moment to moment to play combat wise. It's just slow, stilted, floaty attempts at the Arkham gameplay, and it gets better further in but those opening hours are bad and that's where i'm at i'm nowhere near as far in as you and my first impression of the combat and the character i made is really bad uh, i mean i've unlocked a, a thing where i can dash about and leave fire trails and that's made things a little cooler but I've still got to keep going in for the melee combat, and it's terrible. At its best, hours and hours in, the melee combat is, yeah, that's fine, it's it's good, I guess. Does it get any easier to see the Arkham-style prompts to counter? No. Because right now, I'm getting attacked from off-camera, when I make the fire trails and the other effects, it, it, it 
fills the screen and I can't see where where enemies are, let alone whether they're attacking. It doesn't get better in that regard. What a mess. Also, there's difficulty spikes that are quite ridiculous. Um, You will suddenly be fighting an enemy out of nowhere that can kill you in two hits. Oh yeah, brilliant. This will be a short game for me then. And has absolutely huge area of effect attacks that are very, very difficult to dodge out the way of. Mm. And... I basically found that any time I came across anything that seemed like a boss, the safe thing to do was to just strafe around in circles at a really big distance, shooting it with my gun for quite a long time until it died, <sighs> which is less fun than the melee combat, but it at least meant I was going to get through the fight. Yeah. Like, the way the character moves is weird. Like, it's got that floaty sort of skittery twitchy feeling where the protagonist doesn't feel like it exists in the same plane of existence as the world there's this kind of disconnect like a like a cgi dragon in an uva bowl film it just looks it, it looks and feels like it's not there also the moral choice stuff is not only transparent but it's just like poorly written so here's the thing if you need to make a choice between like oh what does the game think is a good action or a bad action left hand side is evil right hand side is good and that isn't just like in dialogue choices and stuff like that on the map if you're ever given like two options of where to go the on the left hand side is basically the fascist option and on the right hand side is the lesser of two evils but still like painfully centrist at best option yeah like the first option you get is do you want to go team up with the tribe that is literally talking about like cleansing is the term they use of getting the weak killing anyone weak cleansing the weak do you want to go with that faction or do you want to go with the ones who are like well we really should try and uh, unite all the people first of all why don't we go and try and unite with those fascists over there we can get them to you know unite with us and maybe they'll be less fascist because they'll work with us maybe (laughs) that's your two fucking choices and i'm like "Mm -hmm. no thank no thanks i mean it was all right until the century side started going right bathrooms (laughs) we need to talk about safe areas and that's when i was like this game's a little bit dodgy i mean this game is a bit dodgy in some regards i mean i'm gonna make a little point here that this game does that i i mm, i am grossed out by anytime a disabled character is present in the story they are boiled down to their disability a good example being the very first npc you meet is referred to as the wheeled one. Oh. Because he's in a wheelchair. Oh. And also, fun fact, that's not his name. His name before he was in a wheelchair was Best Before, and his name now that he's in a wheelchair is out of date. Um. Yeah. I'll tell you what, right? Mm-hmm. The implications here... Yeah. ...are less fortunate than fortunate. Mm. Yeah. hmm Yeah. Because your character has lost lost an eye, he's referred to as the one-eyed Ronin. Basically, any time a character has a physical disability or difference, that's how they're referred to. And that is a recurrent theme that comes up a few times. And it's... And everything looks creepy, so no one's in a position to judge. The thing is, having played, like, more hours of this than I should have done, there is clearly some good ideas in here and some, like, some ambitious stuff that's being attempted. And, like, it took, like, a 30-degree turn and just sort of went a bit off base. Like, there, there could have been a good game here. But the things it gets wrong are 
big things to get wrong. Yeah. The game is just like, it's not great enough to do the combat to keep me gripped. The narrative is so drawn out and slow that I have a bad time anytime narrative comes up. When you're not looking forward to either the combat or the narrative, that's not a good sign. Yeah, and that's something I, I felt playing it was I am not looking forward to the next fight because at best it's just gonna be some floaty skittery button mashy crap that fills the screen with effects and I can't I can't play the game how it's intended because it's not telegraphing what it needs to enough mm. um the camera's too close and the effects are too numerous and attacks come from off screen too much plus there's no like telegraphing of ranged attacks from enemies the way there isn't like it's just they didn't understand how the Arkham combat system worked. Um, they really didn't. So yeah, like you, I'm not looking forward to the combat and there's nothing in the narrative so far that's interested me. Yeah. I mean, the narrative is incredibly paper thin. It is just humans buggered off to space because pollution killed the planet. Now there's mutant animals save the world tree. I am hours and hours deep and that's the only narrative in that turned up in the first half hour. Yeah. Oh, also, I really dislike the way that this game... Like, the characters in this universe know about concepts like humanity and spacecrafts and nuclear radiation, and they have terminology for all that. But frequently you'll stumble upon things that they just give cutesy toddlerized names to that feel very out of place. Like, oh, a guitar, don't you mean a twing twang that does plinky plonks? Mm. Oh, uh, an elevator, it's a upsy downsy box. It's just, it's inconsistent. It's when they need to just straight up tell you something because they can't think of a way to communicate it in their twee way. They will just go ahead and do it. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, nuclear radiation fucked up the planet and um, humanity went up to space. But also, what's this? What the mu what's the music twing twang called? It's a twing twang. Yeah. It does. You know, we don't have a word for music anymore. It's just plinky plonk. The chug box was made yeah. in the once before by a corporate juggernaut. Wait, where did that bit come from? Where, where did the vocabulary take an optic there, my friend? <laughs> yes, yes. The, the long ago before way back times it's and it's just i've seen everything and heard everything here but better elsewhere the times that i was enjoying that game the most were when i was on the back of a horse trying to get somewhere not doing any fighting not doing the story just traveling across the open world because yeah. it was a break from the other bits i mean i'm gonna keep at it I'm going to keep playing it for a bit, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm not inspired to keep going with it. Also, THQ Nordic's Twitter account is not doing well at the game getting criticism. They did a tweet yesterday that was two quotes from two separate reviews linking to the reviews. One of whom was like, both of these reviews are negative reviews. They're both like five out of tens. Um, but one of them's like, Ah, oh, one of the things I do like about the game is its overworld design, and the other review's like, one of the things I like least about it is the game's overworld design. And THQ Nordic tweeted these two reviews out and quotes of them, as if that somehow showed some kind of... They assume that reviews should all be uniform. Yeah, a sort of suggestion of, if the reviewers can't make up their mind, they're doing a bad job, yeah. go buy the game and see for yourself, because they can't work out if they don't know <laughs> what they're on about, they're, they're contradicting themselves. Well, you get these self-entitled developers and, and publishers who are used to seeing certain games get uniform scores across the board and they think that 
they think this stuff's rated by consensus. Yeah, it's weird seeing a developer try and suggest two different people having differing opinions is contradiction and therefore you can't trust reviewers. Well, this is what children in comment sections have been doing since before I was a game reviewer, which was back in the once was times. Yeah. Back back when I was learning to play the plinky plonk <laughs> and worked in a chug box. Ah, oh, so yeah, that's... That's Biomutant. Pathetic! THQ Nordic. Why don't you go cry about it on 8chan, you fuckfaces? Uh, go back there, do another AMA. Has anyone else played anything else this week? <laughs> well, the night before I, I played Biomutant, I played Mass Effect 2. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And? Let me tell you. Going from Mass Effect 2 to Biomutant, a game that constantly <laughs> tells me my choices matter. <laughs> And tries to get me to consider the dialogue having weight. It's a little hollow. So, you know, last week I, I, I was playing the first Mass Effect. Shit. Still shit. Finished it begrudgingly. Shit. Oh, you finished it? Yeah. In the past week, I've finished both Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2. Well done for pushing through it. I'm proud of you. I rushed through Mass Effect 1. Yeah. I did... I, th I think I, I did pretty much all the missions and stuff in in two. Yeah. I mean, it's a world of difference in quality, isn't it? Yeah, two is a much, much better game. It's a very good game. You know, I'm not super in love with Bioware's work. I like some of their games, uh, and this is definitely one of their better examples. Uh, it is a very good game. I found it very enjoyable. I still find some of the characterization shallow. I find too many of the characters are basically the same sort of serious stoic thing. Like, I can't differentiate that very much. And some of that is because we have since had much better narrative examples in games to examine. Yeah. You know, Mass Effect 2 is, is good today. It was revolutionary then. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and in some ways, you know, still does things that have not been equaled or yeah. it's certainly not been bettered. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I saw some Twitter discourse about, I didn't pay too much attention to it because it was gamer discourse on Twitter. I mean, there's only so much you're going to mine from that. But complaining uh, like retroactively now saying, you know what? These games really didn't have all that great choice and, and options and that. And I'm, even I, who hated the first game and is not a big Bioware stan, I've got to look at that and think, A, for the time, like Conrad said, it was revolutionary. And B, it's still got some of the best, least like black and white infantile ideas of moral choices in games. Yeah, I will maintain what I've always said about the Mass Effect series, which is that I don't mind too much that ultimately by the end of Mass Effect 3, everything very much gets funneled back in together to one basically identical set of final options. Because to me, it's less important that the end of that trilogy have a billion different ways it ends. It's about those moments that you stop and go, I don't know what the right thing to do here is, and I'm not certain what the consequences are going to be, and I want to see it play out. And even mm -hmm. if, you know, ultimately it's going to funnel back into the same place, I will see something unique along the way. And I think that it does that well. That said, don't overmarket these things. Yeah. Don't overmarket the importance of these choices, because to be quite honest, like, I know some of the response to Mass Effect 3 was, like, taking it way too fucking far. Yeah. But, you know... Don't fucking overblow this shit. 
It wasn't Biomutant bad. Take it for what it is and for what any choice-based narrative other than Disco Elysium will end up being, which is like, look, you'll have some unique experiences along the way to basically the same game that everyone plays. Yeah. The, the thing is, they really did at the time make it sound like yeah. it was better than it was. They might have done, but what it was was still a very good thing. Oh, no, that, that I mean, that's the thing. I think I'm benefiting now with the time away from it. Yeah. Going back. And that's always a risk, because sometimes you can, like, look at it through the lens of what advancements have been had in yeah. game mm-hmm. development since then. But again, there are things done in Mass Effect 2 that I haven't seen particularly, not often matched yeah not often gone for and the the choices that are carrying over from game to game is still a level to which i don't know if any game series has done yeah has it i mean there's not a lot of games that will you know that they'll take that much yeah this character may just not exist into account and things like that yeah and don't get me wrong like there's artifice there yeah like the choices are a lot there's a lot of side character or an email saying, hey, remember me? I'm from the last game. Um, so there's there's that, but there's still more of it than other games have before or I think since had. You can transparently look at it and go like, okay, in Mass Effect 1, I've got to pick one of these two characters to die and whichever one lives will be stood in this location in the next game and that's the consequence. And like, you know, oh, that character died off so we just replaced them with an equivalent character that will do the exact same role but just not be them. You can look at all that and see it mechanically, but like, I think Mass Effect 2 in particular does a really good job of making you willing to suspend that, to not think about that too hard. It's good enough that it's, Better than what most games do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's disappointing in the context of what the promise is. Not just, like, actual stated promises, but what the... As you're playing it, what you're encouraged to believe will happen later. You're like, oh, I can't wait to see if there's fallout there. And then if that fallout is an email, (laughs) you, you know, you're going to be a bit disappointed there. But... There's the amount of carryover is still pretty impressive. I can't think of much in the 11 years since this released that has picked up the torch of what this game tried to do as well as this game did it. Yeah. Which is wild because pretty much every time they attempt a property, they're like, all right, this is going to be a trilogy. Yeah. Then they make it to the second one, but they don't carry the shit over. (laughs) Yeah. I think that you're going to have a better experience with Mass Effect 3 than most people did at the time. Like As you were saying before, that you think you've benefited from playing Mass Effect 2 now. I think Mass Effect 3 in particular is a game that will benefit from being experienced for the first time very far away from when the discourse around it existed. Plus there aren't microtransactions in this one. Mass Effect 3 was... The Vanguard, that was the test case yep. for these big AAA games being fee-to-pay, getting your $60 entry fee and then let's throw in some other shit. I mean, of course, you've got your FIFA and that, but this was the 
what you think of when you think of a triple yeah. A production. This was taking a fucking Bioware game and putting microtransactions in, which they quickly followed up with Dead Space 3 doing the same thing, and which, of course, completely redesigned the horror experience and was one of the very early examples of how microtransactions directly impact game design in a negative way. That was way back uh, at the beginning of the 2010s. And I said so i said so <laughs> and now look what's happened yeah oh man's out of molehills fucking hell <laughs> fucking hell uh, you need you need a fucking rope and pulley for these molehills now mm-hmm. <laughs> so i've got one other like game related thing this week before we get on to the news this is not a thing i've played but this is a thing i have seen a press thing for and i have some thoughts that i want to share about so earlier this week, I saw a 30-minute press preview for uh, the Dark Pictures anthology, House of Ashes, which is the next one of those... House of Ashens? <laughs> House of Ashens. It's a haunted sofa covered in haunted town. I want that Manta Force ship, Ashens. Manta Force! <laughs> this is the next game from the um, from Supermassive Games, the Until Dawn people that have been making those little annual horror choose your own adventure experiences the last couple of years Mm -hmm. so this new one is i have some thoughts about the narrative and there are a lot of places this narrative could go wrong and the game is set in 2003 iraq during the iraq war Uh Uh uh-oh uh-oh gang your five playable characters are Four members of the U.S. military. Uh oh. And one Iraqi soldier. Oh. Yep. I mean, that's a bit better than Six Days in Fallujah's managed. Oh. Yeah. So the general gist is that the U.S. military Uh-oh. has come over to Iraq because there is an underground, some kind of big opening underground that they think is housing weapons of mass destruction. Oh no. Uh oh. Yeah. This game's got things to say. Yeah. When they get there. Earthquake happens, the four US soldiers and the one Iraqi soldier fall underground and oh no, there were no weapons of mass destruction down there. Big surprise. There's a Mesopotamian temple and they're being hunted by monsters or something. Ha. So, here's the thing. This presentation I saw for this game was like 30 minutes long. And during that presentation, I learned a lot about the four playable characters who are part of the US military. You know, I can tell you that this one's from the the Air Force, and this one's from here, and this one's a bit boisterous, and this one's the newbie. Like, I got to see scenes involving the US military characters and get to learn what their personalities were. The Iraqi soldier, uh, I believe his name is Salim, all I learned about him in half an hour was... This is Salim. He's in. He's an Iraqi soldier. Here he is being scared by a monster. Ah! Anyway, back to the U.S. military. Okay, now there are some conversations that happen in that press event that are like, "Will you be able to overcome your prejudice to survive?" And I worry about how much of this game is going to be about being like, "Oh no, you're playing as the racist yeah. dude, bro, military." I tell you what. Ugh. I'm worried that this game is going to do something worse than not try here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried it's going to (laughs) try. I'm terrified this game is going to try what it's going to try. Because here's the thing. Like, the impression I got from this preview video was very much, hey... The way to survive is very obviously just if you're playing as the US characters, trust the Iraqi soldier. If you if you trust him, if you're not a racist, you'll probably be fine. 
But the fact that the game thinks that's going to be a difficult moral choice of whether to trust someone from Iraq, like, the fact that they think that's going to be a difficult moral choice is like, "Mm, I'm watching cautiously. Well, I mean, it says a lot potentially about how they view the audience. Yeah. I'm sure that's fine. Anyway, with games like this... When, when it's US military and, and it's evocative of actual conflict, the question always comes up, did they actually interview and consult with people who've been chased by mm. monsters in Mesopotamian temples? Right. So in this half an hour video, not once did they mention... We spoke to some people from Iraq who were, you know, around during 2003 to to get perspectives. That, like, that's not a selling point they thought to present to press yeah. during this game's first showing. To be honest, I am. Um, I I hope they interviewed sort of gamers to get the idea of this moral conflict faced in in whether to be racist or not. <laughs> you make it a real choice. I have one soldier, like an Iraq man, and one soldier, a woman, and then see how conflicted the gamers get. They won't know which which to take. Uh, so mechanical things that are interesting, I'll quickly rattle off. The game is going to have difficulty modes, which is something that Supermassive haven't previously done. They previously had settings for uh, disabled players so that you can, say, turn off the timers entirely for quick time events. But this will now allow people to, if you're playing on easy, make the quick time event windows longer without turning them off entirely, or okay. hard mode will make them shorter. That's degrees of control. That's always nice to see. I'll always t- take that. That's great. The game is moving away from the fixed camera angles of previous Supermassive games. You will have control of a full 3D camera. I'm curious to see how that pans out. There are definitely moments I can think of in previous Supermassive games where deliberate use of camera angles was used to create horror, and I I wonder if being able to control the camera will impact the ability to make those kind of set pieces, but the controls were kind of janky because of the fixed camera in the previous one, so maybe it'll be a benefit. The previous two Dark Pictures games I've been like, yeah, hell yeah, this is going to be great, I'm excited about this. This one, I am going to wait until people who are not me have given some thoughts about this one, because I'm probably not going to be the person to best say whether this gets this right or wrong. I hope the English library man is there, though. So charismatic. Oh, the English English library man's back, as I understand it. He's back. Just wins me over. Yeah. Honestly, disarmingly charming. Oh. Shall we get on with some news? Yeah. Oh, let's start off with the big one. You know how last week we talked about reports that basically nothing has changed at Ubisoft since all of the various accusations came to light last summer? If if this is about the email, I got it. So, the story this week is that, um, I'm going to read the headline... Ubisoft boss says considerable progress has been made since last year's reports of sexual harassment. The management, myself included, have a responsibility to act as role models. <laughs> this whole article, I'm gonna summarize it, I'm gonna paraphrase it here. Nah, we did fix it. Yeah. We, we, we definitely fixed it, yeah. Yeah, I looked over it. Because it's the first thing Ubisoft has sent to me in a long time. Wow. Oh, wow. I went over it and wasn't impressed. Yeah. Like, the fact it was written by Yves Chouameau made me immediately discard what was said. 
I'm not going to listen to the wolf telling me that the sheep are fine. Yeah, like reading through this, it's a lot of basically saying, nope, 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 it's it's fixed, it's all it's all fixed, it's fixed now. Uh, I'm now going to read some some segments of it and we can we can have commentary on it as we go. Last June, we faced the fact that not all team members were experiencing the safe and inclusive workplace that we had always intended Ubisoft to be. Intended. Yeah. Since then, we've engaged in a company-wide effort to listen, learn, and build a roadmap for a better Ubisoft for all. Hey, Ubisoft, don't use the word roadmap because roadmaps often don't get completed. Iconic workplace reform. (laughs) Roadmaps are promises of the future. They are not things you have done already. Yeah. You don't get to say, we have fixed it, we've got a roadmap. I'll, 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 uh, I'll go a little harsher. Roadmaps are bullshit. Yeah. You don't need a roadmap. Eject the predators. Eve, as an enabler at least, included. Okay, so Guillermo says that 14,000 Ubisoft employees took place in group-wide assessments, including anonymous questionnaires. So, like, okay, you got everyone in the company to do a questionnaire that said, hey, do you think your assessment's still here? 2,000 employees, so considerably fewer, took part in focus groups and listening sessions. So they listened to people going, harassment's bad. And then no numbers attached. There has been anti-harassment training with more to follow. They don't tell you how many people at Ubisoft did that training, just it happened. And I would question how they approached the idea of, okay, so who do we ask for our 2,000 person survey? Yeah. What was the methodology here? What was the methodology for having 14,000 people do the the questionnaire, but only 2,000 to do the focus groups and listening sessions? One of the people who did the questionnaire was Eve. He did most of them. <laughs> uh, That's what he's been doing all this time. We've been like, what's Eve's been doing? What's Eve's been doing? Because he's clearly not doing any actual work and not doing anything to address it. He's been filling out the form 2,000 times. Yeah. yeah. And as a CEO, it's actually the most work he's done in ages. <laughs> Additionally, the company's HR organization was audited by an outside company. <gasps> And as a result, we strengthened our non-discrimination and anti-harassment policies. What they didn't do was get rid of the HR person who allegedly ignored a lot of the allegations that were made. Yeah. They had an outside company come and look at the HR, but they didn't get rid of the person who apparently was just not doing anything about harassment reports. Hmm. Yeah. A new company code of conduct is being introduced next month, which will be mandatory for all staff to sign. So there'll be new rules that say don't do harassment, because as we famously know, having rules against harassment stops the harassment. Yeah, if if you just say, come on now, naughty, that generally clears things up. Yeah. And so I can't take it seriously from the man who was running this. None of this has credibility coming from Yves Chumon, and Ubisoft will never have credibility again while that family runs it. They were the ones allowing all of this. Also, how fucking awful are these, like, new role titles that they've created within the organization? Chief People Officer? Yeah. Head yeah. of Workplace Culture? Platitudal Bullshit. I, it's just, it, it, I mean, it makes me a little bit nauseous to see language used in that way. All of this is here without, like, what we actually need is Eve's Guillermo to say, we fucked up 
a lot of people were doing really fucked up stuff in this company. I did not do enough to prevent that. I'm going to step down from the board and my position as CEO. Okay, I'll just read the quote. We've recently implemented a new performance criterion to our compensation scheme with specific expectations for managers. This new attitude will focus our ability to care for people, behave inclusively, and foster a safe and respectful work environment. Managers who fail to uphold the safety of their reports will be impacted financially. So, I guess, be nice to your workers or you'll have a slightly smaller bonus? Some sort of fine or something, I guess. Yeah, I mean... Again, that assumes that you've fixed the problems and reports of harassment. What about the problem of a CEO who didn't care so long as the games got made? The, the CEO who wouldn't address what, their, what his friends was doing because Assassin's Creed was making money? Okay, you position this from the one perspective of, you know, we've implemented a new performance criterion to compensation scheme with specific expectations for managers. Focus on our ability to care for people, behave inclusively, and foster a safe and respectful work environment. Now, what that says to me is that manager bonus packages are going to be tied to the number of HR reports that are received. Gee, I wonder mm. what effect that might have yeah. on the number of reports that HR receives. And that's the problem, really. Yeah, yeah. So they stop in this at one point to basically go, hey, we we hired more women to be in charge of bits mm. of the company. There's more women bosses. There's more girl bosses now. And we have diverse perspectives on the board now because there's some girls there. See, we got girls. We can't be sexist anymore. We can't. We, we've got girls. Yeah. Why did it take them so long? <sighs> yeah. Bizarre. Eve's remote still running the company. Yeah. Yeah. Still happening. His friends were abusing people and he didn't care so long as the games got made and made money. Yeah. Not one word of that email has credibility. Not one word. Yeah. Should we remind everyone of what happened when investors tried to ask Guillermo, how much exactly did you know about this? Like, did you know what was happening? And if so, were you incompetent or were you willfully ignorant? And his response was, uh, certain individuals betrayed the trust I placed in them. He had never compromised on my core values and ethics and never will. Like, that didn't answer the question, no. and that's all he's ever said on the matter. I mean, it does say something about the level to which uh, you could have an expectation of ethics from him. Yeah. yeah, his core values and ethics have been laid pretty bare by that sentence. Mm -hmm. You know, a refusal to answer a very simple and straightforward question is, is always a good look. I find. I find it really adds some weight. But the thing is, is they don't need weight. They don't need credibility. What they needed was an email that gamers can look at and think, oh, that's a relief. Oh, that's a relief. Something's being done. I can enjoy Valhalla guilt-free. Oh, that's a relief. We can still ask for our review copies. Oh, what a relief. They're doing something. They said they're doing something. Oh, how placating. Why, my, my hands, they feel so, so clean. So clean. That's what it is. It's so that the people buying and talking and hyping up these games don't have to feel guilty. Um. And that's why this will work, because everyone wants to uncritically enjoy their product. So we got another story, and this one's just... It, it, it's kind of depressing, but it's also kind of baffling that this has managed to happen and that it hasn't been stopped. So... Sony has had to take Little Big Planet servers offline indefinitely because 
there's a couple of reasons maybe why. It's unclear which of the two of these it is. But first of all, the game is undergoing a massive sustained DDoS campaign by a single individual who doesn't like Sony's treatment of the franchise. That's one thing. (laughs) I don't like the way you're treating this series. I'm going to make it unplayable for everyone, including myself. Yeah, so for that one, first of all, it's impressive that Sony can't handle one person DDoSing their game. Was their game attack defense? Yeah. See, here's, here's the second thing, and the one that's a bit more gross, and that I have more of a absolute confusion how someone has managed to do. Someone has worked out how to hack the servers for Little Big Planet to get the game to show custom error messages on, oh, no. uh, online, mm. many of which are transphobic in nature. Of course they are. Yep. Yeah. So prior to the game servers being taken down, people who were playing online were seeing such messages as you will never be a real woman is a fairly tame example of one of them. Mm. Things of that nature, very targeted at trans women, hateful messages that appeared as if they were Sony produced in-game messages. Yeah. And apparently, A, someone worked out how to get that into a first-party Sony console game, and B, Sony can't work out how to stop it, to the point they've had to take the game's servers indefinitely offline to deal with it. Sony, welcome to our world. We've been trying to stop transphobia for a long time. Yeah. You just can't. People seem to love it. People are really fucking into it, huh? They really are. They, I mean, Jesus Christ. They think about, like, trans people more than I do, and I... I appellated this morning. Yeah. It's all I can think about, and I'm not as obsessed. Uh, yeah. I mentioned that in that Jimquisition, the under 900,000 sub special. Did you go check that one out? It's real good. Just for the gamers, like, community side of it. Like, obviously, there's the whole of the UK and the US and everywhere else. But also the gamers. But the gamers are particularly... Yeah. It's particularly pathetic. There is a news story this week that I'm very curious to see how it's going to pan out with the gamers. So Twitch is introducing a bunch of new identity-based tags that you can put on your streams. Yeah, I saw an argument against this. It was amazing. (laughs) We'll see how this pans out. Twitch has for a while had an LGBT tag that you can stream to. It is the only identity-based tag that the platform has had. The intention behind it was that it could be used for... LGBT people to find LGBT streamers to watch. Uh, In practice, it hasn't worked that way. A lot of people who are not LGBT, who are like, I'm a self-appointed ally, therefore I will stream on the LGBT tag, Mm -hmm. has been a thing. But generally, when the tag was originally introduced, there was a short period where, you know, people were spamming it and being harassy, but... Within a couple of weeks, it calmed down, and that that tag is actually very helpful now, and it has been I use it very yeah. largely well received. Yeah. So coming up to Pride Month starting, Twitch has announced that they are going to be introducing a bunch more identity tags. Some of these are for more specific identities. One of the ones we we know is coming is the the trans tag. That's gonna be trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I hate to I hate that that has to be said, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, I am one of those people who's like, I'm eager for that to be a thing, but I won't be the canary in the coal mine using it day one when it shows up. And I will, you know, be 
putting on extra safety measures to try that tag, and if it goes badly, okay, lesson learned. Yeah. And we shouldn't have to be thinking like that. Yeah. That being said, some of the other ones that we know are being introduced have been campaigned for for a while, and I think are very positive changes, and I'm very glad to see that, and I suspect we'll get less less blowback. The disability or disabled tag is one that... Disabled gamers on Twitch have been eager for for a while, and that seems to be one of the ones that's going to be happening. There are certain ones that I don't expect to show up. I'm going to make a guess right now, because at the time of recording, the full list has not been revealed. I'm going to assume that autistic or autism is not going to show up as an option, because I talked a little bit about this a while ago on Twitter. Twitch has some weird hang-ups about the use of the word autism or autistic. You can't put it as the first word in a string of self-descriptors in your Twitch bio. Well, Laura, yeah, I have some good news. Yeah? Because the list has since been released as of time oh. of recording, and autism is on it. Hey! Oh, I did not know the full list was up now. The full list is up, yeah. I fully anticipated that not being there, because Twitch was weirdly unresponsive in answering questions about, if you try and put your Twitch bio to say, autistic trans woman, it will get flagged as not suitable or has failed moderation. Mm -hmm. And they never responded to that being a thing that was brought up. So I'm kind of pleased to see that it exists, but like disabled tag, I think is going to be fine. Autistic tag, I think is going to be very much like the trans tag in that it's going to be a shit show. Mm -hmm. yep. It's going to get completely misused. Twitch did not adequately address when they announced they were making this change, whether they would be making any effort to combat these kind of issues. And that's the big question right now. Well, it, it remains pretty clear that they're probably not going to be doing much. They're probably not, yeah. The most recent version of their announcement, which they had linked to the post that you had, mm. says, our hope is that these new tags help every community. There are bad actors who may use the ability to find streams for malicious purposes, so at least they're being honest about that at this point. Yeah, but... But again, what, what you gonna do about that? You're a huge corporation, do something. They'll be subject to enforcement of the hateful conduct and harassment policy, and they <laughs> recommend creators familiarize themselves with the available moderation tools, utilize moderators on their channels, and please report anybody who violates our community guidelines. So, f you know, fuck off. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, so long as there are guidelines. Yeah. Thank fuck. When it was announced that these tags were going to be added, I'm going to try using them, but I have a stream deck, a little thing of buttons on my desk that I can use to do certain things in stream. I have set two of my buttons up, one of which will put my stream into paid subscriber only mode, mm -hmm. and one that will stop people from following my channel. Mm -hmm. Both of which are designed to, if some shitty people decide to come and raid based on finding me through that tag, I can very quickly shut down their ability to engage. Yeah. And it sucks that I have to do that, but I have those buttons on hand ready to slam should something happen. Yeah. But yeah, these tags are available and functioning now and so are they are they live now yeah they're live yeah it's all it's all up as of like 9 30 this morning umbrellas up for the shit shower folks oh let's let's have a look we shouldn't be dreading inclusivity or at least we shouldn't be dreading the blowback from the inclusivity it's fucking absurd 
I saw people complaining about like calling it segregation because if if something isn't entirely dedicated to them in their minds, any any visibility for someone else takes away theirs oh. because they're just zero summing it all the time. Yeah. Well, I'm streaming tonight, the night we record this, and I've put the trans and the autism tags in ready for my stream tonight, and I'll let you know next week how that goes. Mm, good luck. I'm going to test it for this week, and if it's a shit show, I'm probably going to write something about it and yeah. be like, hey, Twitch, this is the experience your users are having. I'm going to give it a go myself, you know. Yeah. I'm going to use it next time I stream, and I will be on... The edge of my seat the whole fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. Conrad, do you want to bring up the Roblox story you popped on the topic list? Well, I mean, I really... It was it was sort of one of those things that I, I spotted and I thought, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a podquisition story. So, um, Roblox, which I believe is a thing for children, right? Generally speaking, a thing for children. It's a very predatory thing for children, yes. Yeah, it is a thing for children where you make video games using a limited set of tools. It does support microtransactions and paid stuff, and some of that is a bit... Oh, some of it's fucking nasty. It's monetization towards kids in basically build-your-own-lego game. Well, I mean, I, I assume it's not just kids at this point it's it's primarily yeah i mean primarily but i can't see kids doing a lot of buying a gucci maybe i'm wrong yeah but there was a, a gucci event in roblox which was apparently pretty widely derided by the users and didn't have much interest in purchasing the first like item or two and then the reseller market came in. And of course, like you would expect, because very few people bought this limited edition item, now the people who want it are willing to pay an exorbitant amount of money for the very few that actually wound up in the ecosystem. Go figure. My understanding of this story is that very few people engaged with the Gucci items because this is a game largely played by children. Right. And then it was marketed later by the the secondhand market as, hey, you may not care about this video game, but there's a digital exclusive Gucci item that you could have, and there's only so many of them. It's it's, it's very exclusive. Do you want to buy a Roblox Gucci bag? Well, and, and now people are all like, is this are probably like, oh, is this an NFT? <laughs> so I mean, because nobody understands what digital assets are. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Roblox was in the news for a second thing this week. So the Apple and Epic lawsuit continues to have weird, interesting ramifications. So I'm reading from a story by Addy Robertson at The Verge, who is the person whose uh, Twitter thread we've been following for a lot of the updates on this story. So Roblox is undeniably a game. When you boot it up, you have a screen that says... You know, game, it's the games tab. You pick a game to play. Uh, you know, it, it's a game. It's a game that contains games. However, during the Apple and Epic lawsuit, basically, Apple made the argument that Roblox isn't a game. That certain rules on the App Store are not applicable to it because it's not a game. They argued that it's a series of experiences rather than being a game. And that's that's the term they used, uh, experiences. So that's... That can follow on from surprise mechanics and fun presents. 
Series of experiences. I like that. <sighs> On the day that that was said, Roblox, you know, the, ga- the game did suggest they were games. It had a games tab. Within 24 hours, that tab had been renamed to Discover to make it no longer called games. So wait, it's it's now not a game, but a platform. It sure sounds like Roblox heard Apple go, you're only not beholden to these things because you're not a game. And then they de-gamed. Oh shit, we, we better de-game and use the wording they used in the lawsuit. <sighs> Oh. Yeah, so so Roblox has gone within 24 hours completely renamed several sections of the game to fall in line with Apple's messaging. Roblox, the only thing we're gaming is the system. The, look, it, they know what side of the bread yeah. <laughs> butter is. That's Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's just a fascinating thing where that game it's doesn't so call sleazy. its games games anymore because Apple said they're not games, and they're like, oh shit, we better not disappoint Apple. Fuck, we're not games. What are you on about? Roblox is so fucking sketch. That one, and that Neopets as well, the fucking pair of them. And they don't want to get roped into some kind of future lawsuit that might result from their in-game transaction system in their product that is, you know, um, largely marketed and consumed by children. Yeah. They wouldn't want that. Sorry, no, 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 no. It's not a product marketed at children. It's an experience experienced by children, legally. Exactly. It's not a game. It's not a game. No, I'll tell you what, I actually agree with them. It's not a game, it's a fucking travesty. <laughs> yeah. Is what it is. It's disgusting. Roblox and Neopets both are disgusting. Uh Everything ever marketed towards children is gross. There shouldn't be ads for kids. Yeah. Yeah. There shouldn't yeah. be games for kids. There shouldn't be food for kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, couple of other very quick stories. Skyward Sword HD. I don't know if we mentioned this previously, but um, they're adding a new quality of life feature to that port. Oh, uh, yeah. The ability to fast travel between the sky and the, the ground nice and quickly. Oh, yes. Except... That ability is being locked behind a $25 amiibo. Ha! I'm not buying that game at all. That can fuck off. Yeah. That can fuck off. Hey, second fact, that amiibo's already sold out by the time you're hearing of this course. podcast. So even if that functionality was worth 25 quid to you, you can't get it now. You, yeah. you just, you can't fast travel in this game because you weren't lucky enough to get an ex- overpriced amiibo. I should have brought up amiibos in the the Jimquisition on Monday. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that story. Did that come up after or before or? It was around the start of the week, the end oh, of last week. It was yeah. right around the turn. Yeah, probably too late. Fun fact, it's really cheap to get an NFC tag writer and some blank NFC cards. Just so you know. Oh, well, there you go. That's a very cheap thing to do. I, that's completely unconnected to the previous story, mind you. They talked themselves out of a sale. That was the quickest I'm not buying this I've ever gotten to. It's a nice statue as well. If it had been the price of a regular amiibo, if it had been a tenner and you hadn't locked functionality behind it, I'd have bought this. It was a cute little figurine. And you'd made a lot of them. Yeah, I'd have bought that figurine. It's a cute little figurine that I like the design of. Yeah. Like, I don't mind touching amiibo to your fucking Switch and you get some rupees or some fucking little bonus shit, but that is huge. The thing that's sketchy about this is that this is the only amiibo that works. All of your previously existing Legend of Zelda amiibos do not work. Your Breath of the Wild ones, your Twilight Princess, your Smash amiibos, 
you might have multiple Legend of Zelda amiibos, right. but none of them do this function. Why do that, though? Because here's the thing. They are only making and producing enough to where it is a guaranteed sellout. They don't need to lock that functionality or to lock out the other amiibos to drive people to buy this because they've just sold every single one of the fucking things. Yeah. So why do it? other than to falsify that sense of FOMO that keeps people on the hook. I mean, that's it. Fuck that manipulative shit. Yeah. That game could fuck off. I mean, I'm looking forward to that game and I'm looking forward to playing it, but also completely unconnected, I will be getting my NFC writer back out just for whatever reason. Uh, Other than that, there's a couple of things that like you always get going into the E3. Sony's pushing to bring their franchises to phones, we don't know what form that will take, but there's going to be Sony mobile games happening in the future. I mean, there's going to be one of them that plays itself, like Raid Shadow Legends, all those insipid Marvel ones. I mean, probably. Valve is apparently going to be releasing a gaming handheld PC in the in the coming months. That's there's, rum- there's rumours about it that seem fairly credible. It'll be huge. Yeah. It'll be absolutely huge. <laughs> yeah, they're going to want something that can play high-end PC games and therefore it's not going to be cheap and it's not going to be particularly portable and it's not going to have a great battery life, probably. Huge market for it. <laughs> <laughs> Near limitless profit potential. <laughs> I mean, if you slap Valve handheld as a phrase, people will buy it, but it's... Some people... I'm not saying it won't sell some units. And some people will buy it in a year when they mark it down to 10% of the price to clear out their remaining inventory. Unless they only make 500 of them and then the resellers get them all. People will buy it when it reaches the point where you could buy a Steam controller for a pound. No, 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 no. We're we're being mean. It'll do really well. Uh, do great. I think that's basically it for this week. I think we can probably leave it there. Well, some listeners may not want to leave it there because they're pathetic. So <laughs> where could they fill their lives with more content? You can find more stuff at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, our Twitch stream. That's at twitch.tv slash laurakbuzz. Every Friday, I upload episodes of Accessibility, which is a show about accessibility and representation in the games industry. Go check that out on YouTube. Uh, I've got books, Uncomfortable Labels, that's out now. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, that's out now. Gender Euphoria comes out on June 10th. People have been emailed who backed that book on on Unbound to be like, hey, double check your address, we're about to send them out, so look out for that email, they're getting sent out. Pixel Squirt, that's a podcast, it's about video game character pornography. Queer Unpleasant Strangers, it's where I talk about things that aren't video games. That should be this podcast! Well, suggest starting a not video games podcast with me then if you want. That's on you! Oh... (laughs) You've, you've made me do effort. <laughs> and Dice Funk. Dungeons and Dragons. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. They're all their own stories. Conrad used to be on that. Well, that's right. Uh, you could also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Or you could hang out with me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. I'm on Mondays, Tuesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. 
so just go check that out. That's fun. Uh, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com, now with greatly improved international shipping, and audiobooks at conradreads.com. You can also hear me on the podcast, Let's Talk About Snacks, with Lauren Morgan and Linda Camiolo, where I talk about snacks. Uh, there's a new episode of the spinoff doctors out now, uh, in the name of the King three, the last mission, our final Uva bowl film praise what passes for a God. And, uh, oh, and, and I think there will be a new Boston's favorite son. Maybe by the time people hear this, literally got it uploaded as we were talking. So there we go. New Boston's yeah. favorite son. And all of the stuff that I do online is supported on Patreon, patreon.com slash fist shark. And hey, you know who else has a Patreon? It's James Stephanie Sterling. <gasps> That's me. And yeah, that is correct. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Uh, also, you can see me on Twitch sometimes, Twitch TV, Jim Sterling. And uh, this Sunday, March 30th. Uh, enjoy wrestling that will air on YouTube in mid-June. Enjoys canned heat show. Uh, can highly recommend it. And Rise will return. I'll have more details on that, hopefully streaming details. That'll be June 19th in Pittsburgh. Um, details are all over my social media. Yeah, that's that. Uh, we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Um, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Use me like an erotic toilet. <laughs>